Hi, it's Katrina Hibbert, Frog, head coach of the Flames. Make sure you tune in on Shooting the Breeze, Fridays, 4pm. We're back with Katrina Hibbert, head coach of the Sydney Uni Flames, for another catch-up on today's podcast. Katrina, how are you doing? Hey, Paul. It's nice to be back. Um, I'm doing well. I'm back in Sydney, um, keeping busy and, yeah, just enjoying being back with nice weather up, in, up here in Sydney. Well, you are being you are being kept busy. You've got a new role with, uh, with BNSW that I'd like to talk about. There's been some news out of the WNBL and Basketball Australia just recently telling us about what's going on with the upcoming season. Frog, let's talk about your new role with uh, Basketball New South Wales. Oh, look, I think it's um, it's an important role. Um, you know, it's a Her Way, Her Sport, Her Way grant um, that was initiated for the Flames and Basketball New South Wales together. You know, Shara Milner helped put the proposal together. So I think it's a really um, important initiative and it's just a bit of a part-time role um, with Basketball New South Wales. But I think it's super important, you know, as a head coach of the professional women's team, in Basketball New South Wales for me to be um, connected to to Basketball New South Wales and obviously um, on the on the girls' side as well so that they've got, um, you know, I guess they see a, a female figure and, and I hopefully I can provide some pathways and some leadership going forward for them. So specifically what's what's involved in these programs? I've noticed that you're working with, uh, with Rachel Herrick. What sort of things are going to be are going to be coming down the pipe on the program? Um, so we're, we're looking at there's four interrelated um, initiatives. So sort of for the broader long-term female strategy. So we're just trying to attract, you know, increase and re-engage, and also re-retain uh, participation. So for females within sports. So you know, there's a there's a noticeable drop off of girls around the age of 14. So um, we're trying to look at young leaders forums. So how can we keep girls involved in sport? Um, beyond that age and what sort of is happening. So what can we do to keep them engaged um, and wanting to participate in basketball and obviously show them the benefits and um, rewards by, you know, remaining in sport um, and in particular in basketball as well. So that's one of the initiatives. So, um, you know, there's also bouncing basketball. Um, So there's going to be some pilot uh, initiatives of that. I think they've done some of that in Victoria. So it's a similar scenario. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be always about competing at the highest level. You know, it can just be getting on the court, enjoying the participation and exercise and, you know, linking those interested in playing to establish competition so we can expose them to to basketball and and see, you know, if there's some interest and and growth from that for people. Um, And there's also a Women in Basketball Network. So lots of professional development for, um, forums so we can share best practice, you know, empower female coaches or administrators, um, female athletes, yeah, to be champions of change and just allow females to understand the influence and impact that they can have within their communities and, and society and, you know, keep them involved in sport. Um, and our fourth one is sort of a bit of a campaign. So promoting promoting these stars and the female athletes that we do have. So, you know, we've recently done a video uh, with Lauren Nicholson, you know, who's a basketball, who's a New South Wales kid um, who's gone through the, pro- the programs within Basketball New South Wales, you know, has gone on to now represent Australia. And so her story um, about how, where she came from and how she got to where she is, you know, Alice Kunick in the three-on-three space um, and the three-on-three hustle as well and her 
I guess, the way, how she got into the three-on-three and how that's helped her game in the five-on-five space as well. So just telling stories, I guess, of, for females and of females um, in that space and how they've been able to be successful and, and navigate their, their pathways to where they've gotten. So it's pretty exciting and I think it's a great initiative, particularly as we're leading into the 2022 Women's World um, Championships in Sydney as well. So there's a great opportunity to really build that space. That's going to help to really raise the profile in basketball here in New South Wales. One of the things I found interesting about what you just said was the the drop in participation at fourteen. Is there any like research that that looks at what are the drivers of of that drop in in participation? Oh, I think there's several. I think for girls, um, it's about self esteem. Also, you know, is it a safe space? You know, does everything have to be competitive? sort of things around that, like, you know, socially what sort of education sort of becomes important as well, but how do we keep that balance and engagement for those girls to see the benefits of staying physically active, you know, whether it's around teamwork, social groups. So not always necessarily, you know, not every not every girl wants to play for Australia. So how do we keep them engaged in just the participation um, and being connected with community and other girls um, I think is really important. So, yeah, there, I mean, there is research into it um, and, and 14 has been the age where they've seen, they've, they have seen a considerable amount of dropout for girls. It looks like this program is really starting to, to point towards addressing that. Is there, is there any plans to try and utilise the, the flames to try and help this program along the way? Oh, most definitely. You know, who better to help drive it um, than use the role models um, of, of the athletes that we do have and that have, have made their own way through um, basketball. So, yeah, so most definitely I think, um, you know, once we're out of COVID-19, you know, hopefully there are ways and we're already starting to use um, some of the girls with, with the messages and stories that they can tell. And, and, you know, I think when you use girls that have been through this with their own stories, they become relatable. And the more relatable um, and the more, I guess, familiar you become with these athletes, then you come become connected, and so through connection, I think builds confidence and builds, um, you know, self esteem and all those things. And and you see somebody who's done it, and you think, well, if she's done it, I actually can see that I can do it as well. So I think there's a a great opportunity to continue to build the profile um, of these girls within the community. But it's also great, you know, at whatever level that these girls can see somebody who they can relate to, because you know we're more connected when we feel relatable to something. And I think with female role models, that's where you start. It's really important. And I know with two daughters, it's really important for them to have great role models. And I've seen it in how they react to, to seeing role models like, you know, Snelly, Asia Taylor, and some of the other players that they've met at the Flames. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the beauty of um, women's sport is female athletes are still very accessible and very open um, and wanting to connect with their fan base, you know, with these young girls, um, you know, after a game, when you go to a Flames game and you see, you know, the girls sit down and sign autographs and you can just see, you know, the joy. I, rem- I remember when I met Michelle Timms when I was a kid and, you know, that was, you know, who I looked up to and aspired to be. And so you find inspiration by being able to be connected and feel like, you know, you're almost like a friend that you've been seeing and um, I think that's really important and I think that's what we do well in the WNBL and, and also in, in women's sport is that ability to be connected to the community and, and sort of there's not, you know, a, a standoffish um, space between 
us and community. Speaking of the the, the upcoming launch of WNBL season, it, it's come out that we're looking at a launch in late November. I think it's, yeah, the 20th and the 22nd of November is going to be the opening round. It is a later start than normal, and the finish of the regular season isn't that far off where it normally used to finish. How do you think that's going to work? You know, I think Lauren and the WNBL and, and Basketball Australia have worked, you know, tirelessly and, and very hard to get to this point. So just getting this information, um, you know, is really exciting because it gives us something to work towards and, and, you know, now we can start planning. Obviously, the next stage for us will be free agency opening up. So, uh, and, you know, this is for every team. So once free, ed- free agency opens up and we can start to get an idea of what the team's going to look like and start planning towards possibility of can we have a longer preseason? Do we have to, you know, usually the season starts in October, the girls come in in September. So we only have about a month with the girls prior to the season starting. So is there a possibility of having a longer preseason, which, you know, I think is great from a um, strength and conditioning perspective, team building um, perspective, you know, and get, then getting the girls on court. So it's later. Um, it is what it is because of COVID-19. And I think, you know, it's great that they've gotten to a point where they've given us a date. They've really worked hard to get to what the format of the season will look like. And then obviously, you know, they'll have to make maybe make adjustments around what the government advises because I think it's all based on, you know, crowds um, and numbers of people that are allowed to attend. I, I noticed in, in the announcement that they're, they're working on the basis that the, game, the, the first part of the season up until about Christmas may be crowd-free. Now, obviously, we're hoping that's not the case. But do you think that's going to be a challenge playing in an empty stadium? Um, I don't know. Did you ever go to a Veneto Club game when we had probably 20 people <laughs> back in the day? Um, I think all of this has been a challenge and it's been very um, new for everyone. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I think some of the platforms that Lauren's put in place around um, the live streaming, you know, perhaps we get an increase in live streaming. So while you enjoy the atmosphere and um, obviously you want your fans there, maybe, you know, bring some excitement that, around the government's rules and, and and regulations around it. You know, there's some excitement around after Christmas and, and getting back, you know, to, to watching professional sports. Uh, just mentioning Christmas, um, is there still going to be, there's still going to be the Christmas break this season or it's going to be play through, do you know? Oh, look, I mean, at best over Christmas anyway, I think, I think Adelaide only had four days off. So we were quite lucky that we had a week. So I was able to let the girls, and we played in Melbourne prior and most of the girls were from Melbourne. So we had that, you know, time to allow them to stay in Melbourne for two days. But, you know, most of the time we're back on court boxing day anyway. But, you know, a lot of the girls in the league have played overseas. So it's, it's, you know, it's not indifferent for us to not be home for Christmas. Um, and it's just part of the job and part of the season and timing of the season that we play in. So I doubt very much if we're squeezing 21 games in and there's one less month that there'll be much of a Christmas break. But I do remember somebody, I'm not sure who, mentioned the possibility of trying to do uh, four teams come in in one, in one location to be able to play a number of games over like two or three days. Is that... Or have you heard if that's that's in the plans? Oh, nothing's been confirmed at this stage. Um, I think there's a few um, scenarios that have thrown, been thrown out there, um, and I guess they'll continue to adjust those and, and confirm what it's actually going to look like 
you know, I guess once they continue to learn what the guidelines from the government are and, and what sport is capable of doing. So I'm pretty certain, I mean, most cases, you know, there's different situations or scenarios that have been put forward and um, I guess they'll continue to work towards that as more information is provided. Something that's getting closer, which is um, the Flames and the Kings becoming one organisation. How's that going? How's that been working through? It's a work in progress. Um, obviously, with the um, transition and the handover from Flames to Kings. So, you know, lots of meetings have been taking place in terms of Zoom meetings. But again, you know, COVID sort of threw a spanner in the works because you can't get people into a room together. So, you know, it's happening and it's a work in progress. And, you know, we're, we're working t- together and collaborative, um, collaboratively, you know, in the, in the same direction. So I think it's really exciting. Um, you know, they see some things that we do that they're really excited about. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that we can and resources that we can take from them. I'm excited to get the opportunity to, you know, work with Will Weaver, who's had, you know, G League, NBA, Boomers experience. So there's so many positives coming out of it. Yeah, I'm just excited to try and implement um, and learn as much as I can and, and see where that can take us. In terms of training facilities, will you be working, be tra- spending time training with some of the Kings team um, and, and coaching staff or do you think it's going to be basically each team will be training on their own? And oh, Predominantly we'll be training on our own but I think you know with with the time that we've got between now and the season starting we'll all be sort of working collaboratively and working um, you know together and sharing ideas and you know we want to take we want to build a culture you know we want to build leadership and show leadership um, all those sorts of things. So those are lots of professional development things that we can do together as an organisation so that we're all working towards the same goals and, and have the same direction. So there's a lot of things that we can do off court prior to the season starting and then, you know, it would be great to be able to pick up the phone and talk to Will and share ideas or thoughts and, you know, get feedback from him and, and, and vice versa. So, so yeah, so no doubt throughout the season it's obviously difficult to get to each other's trainings but, um, you know, we'll be training you know, still at Sydney Uni and we'll be, you know, our offices will still be there at the university and, um, you know, most of half of our games, um, depending on what the schedule looks like, will be out of the university and, and then back with the Kings as well. So, again, that comes around scheduling about where our games are and how many double headers we'll have. Um, but that's a work in progress with the NBL and WNBL going forward. There's a lot of good news for the fans in that statement. So they'll be able to get to double headers. And for those who want to be back at Bryden Stadium, there's going to be games there for them to come and see. It sounds like it's going to be the best of both worlds um, going forward. With the with the ability to to leverage off people like Will Weaver, do you think you'll be able to challenge yourself to try and push the envelope a bit in your coaching style with the team once we've kind of settled on a roster? Oh, definitely, definitely. There's lots to, you know, there's so much more for me to learn um, and implement and, you know, trial and, and for me to grow with as well. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we want to be professional and we want to treat it professionally and, um, you know, and that is how can we take these girls to that next level, you know, through strength and conditioning, through nutrition, through psych, you know, psych, through yoga, through, you know, a holistic approach to developing an athlete, and I think there's so much more we can do um, and teach within Australia. So, you know, to be able to learn and implement what some of the Kings, you know, are doing and have done um, this past season and what 
Will brings from his experience from the NBA and overseas. Um, so yeah, I'm. I don't think as coaches we ever stop learning and evolving and and you know trying to be our best and do our best and while looking after everyone. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's going to be challenging, but you know I'm really excited by it. The other one of the other subjects that we we kind of touched on earlier is to do with free agency. I know there hasn't been any announcements about what when free agency is going to open up. Have you got any sort of rough indications? Because obviously, you know, the fans are starting to wonder when's it all going to happen. I'm sure a lot of players who are looking to see where they're going, to, what they want to do, are also wondering. Have we got any sort of indication, or is it just a, a day by day thing? I think it's probably more of a week by week thing. Um, you know, I think it, it was sort of going to be May, and then it was pushed back um, for whatever reasons, and no doubt. Um, we're not all informed on all the things that are taking place behind the scenes. But, um, you know, next week's June. So, you know, ideally it wouldn't want to be any later than sort of mid to late June because, you know, I'm already having sleepless nights. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, hopefully hopefully within the next week or two at least there's a date put forward or, you know, at least, it, you know, hopefully it does open up because, yeah, there's a bit of anxiety, I guess, attached to for the athletes wanting to sign contracts. Um, you know, there was going to be probably a few more athletes that would have been on the free agency list that re-signed, I guess, out of a bit of fear or perhaps just that security of going back to the club and um, what they know. Um, for, for us as coaches, it'd be nice to be able to move forward and start to offer contracts and start to get an idea of what our team's going to look like and then how we can start to plan, you know, our style of play and um, around the athletes that we've got. There's this constant background chatter about no uh, imports for the upcoming season. Now, I haven't seen any official announcements about that. Um, have you heard anything in that respect? Oh, I've, I've heard it, but um, nothing's been confirmed officially. So um, I guess the way we move forward in our mindset is, um, you know, we try to, to sign as many Australian players as possible. And then, you know, um, I guess we wait and see till we hear that official announcement if it comes comes to fruition or not. So, yeah, again, I mean, maybe that's what's holding the free agency up as well. Who knows? Um, but obviously, you know, I don't think the league or the WNBL, you know, want want to want to hold off too much longer. But I think, you know, maybe there's some things going on that need to be confirmed before they make any more announcements. I mean, and also, you know, the beauty of the Australian League is we're the second best team in the world. We've got so much talent you know, if there aren't if there aren't any imports, you know, while there's been some great imports within the league and it's exciting, we've got so much talent within Australia that, you know, if we're providing opportunities and, and you know, that allows growth and development for, for younger Australians, you know, that's not a bad thing either. Well, that's true. Olympics coming up, we've got World Cup coming up, the and, you know, the ability to be able to give Australian players an opportunity to step up into the WNBL, Um I can't see anything but positives for that one. No, I completely agree. And, you know, and if, if most of the Australian players are committing to stay in Australia, um, you know, the opportunity for the Opals to probably have better preparation leading into the um, Tokyo Olympics, you know, might bring us greater success, you know, and, and who knows, like there might be some athlete that wasn't on the radar that has a really standout season against some of these Opals that are in the squad and in the team um, might find themselves an opportunity. You just don't know. So I think it's, yeah, it is positive that there'll be more opportunities for Australian athletes. Because a lot of players are going to be out of match fitness because even the NBL, because NBL1 was also 
uh, cancelled. Um, there's a lot of players who really haven't hit the floor since uh, the end of the regular season in the WNBL. Trying to be able to get the free agency happening, get the players signed, and as you said, start start preparing maybe a, a longer pre-season to be able to get that match fitness up, I think is going to be important, particularly if we're looking about wanting to uh, avoid unnecessary injury as the season goes through. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, there's lots of positives about the girls actually having a break because the female athletes go from season to season. And so, you know, like I've said to, um, you know, a few of the athletes, it's like this is a great time to have a mental break from basketball, but but to get your body right. So if you've had niggly injuries, you know, get the weight right weight program, do some Pilates, do what it's necessary to get your body physically right. So then when preseason does start, um, your body is in shape um, you're not game fatigued from playing, you know, in NBL one or wherever it might have been in the off season. So you know, do some skill development. Go back to the basics of the game. Work on those. So when we do hit the court, whether it be one month, two months, um, you know, your body, your mind, everything else is right, and then you know you can focus on getting back into you know five on five or you know one on one sort of competitive basketball. I think one of the one of the issues that we do have in Australia. We've got really strong competition, WNBL and NBL1, which keeps a lot of Australian players in Australia. But it almost rolls back-to-back, so some players just don't get an opportunity to deal with those niggling injuries, like you mentioned. Yeah, and, you know, that's generally, you know, for the girls based around, you know, financial. Minimum wage, obviously, is 13000 in the WNBL, upwards to what some of the higher-earning athletes can earn and some in the middle. So we can't obviously... Um, afford to keep athletes in the off-season in Sydney and, and continue to work them out because it's just not um, viable for, for our budget and program. And I think for most WNBL teams, maybe it's a little bit easier in Victoria, but it is what it is and, and, and it keeps them game shape. But I think sometimes you need to take a break from that and, yeah, just refocus on getting back to the fundamentals of the game, working on, you know, your strength and conditioning, flexibility, all those other sorts of things as well. But, yeah, obviously sometimes it comes down to a, a monetary thing um, and needing to earn in the off-season. It's, it's very true. Unfortunately, even though uh, Australia can can put some of the best female basketball players on the court, unfortunately the, the funding just isn't there to be able to keep them, like you said, playing within the one, with the one team in the off-season, which is, which is unfortunate but hopefully something that will change as time goes on. Well, yeah, and it already has changed because, you know, we talk back to the 80s and 90s where, you know, people worked full time. There wasn't the same dedication probably around, you know, the commitment to doing doing weight sessions and, you know, individuals. So, you know, to my generation, I guess, of the early 2000s to 2010, where we were earning, you know, 10 to 15,000 maybe for a season and then also working and, you know, living at home. So you can see growth. It's just a process and, um, you know, maybe in ten years' time, it will be we'll be able to play, you know pay a higher minimum wage, and all athletes in the WNBL will be full time. But again, we have to you know just keep working towards that. It's not going to happen overnight, and if we all keep working towards the same goal, um, we'll get there. Hopefully, the 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 World Cup being held here in Sydney is going to help push that along by uh, raising the profile of the game with with sponsors uh, and potential sponsors. Oh, most definitely. I think, you know, for, for New South Wales and Sydney in particular and the high-profile players that we can bring in um, to help promote it. And, again, you know, 
women's basketball is an exciting brand of basketball. So to be able to bring the best female basketballers from all around the world to, to New South Wales and to Sydney, what a great spectacle for, for basketball fans and, and even other fans to become a basketball fan because you're just going to see some really um, amazing athletes and some fantastic basketball. It's an exciting game and it's very different to the men's game. I remember I read an, I read or I saw an interview with you know, um, the ex-governor of Minnesota, uh, also an ex-professional wrestler, Jesse Ventura. He actually said that he actually would go to every Minnesota Lynx game because he preferred watching women's basketball to men's basketball. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we're still um, below the rim, but I think the female, if you watch the WNBL, gosh, there's some amazing athletes in the WNBA, um, sorry, um, you know, that are, that are just becoming superior in their skills, um, you know, fundamentals. But, yeah, it's still, it's still very much a team, a team game with ball movement, teamwork, again, like I said, superior athletes. So I think if you continue to watch that grow, I think the, the development and growth of women's basketball within Australia as well, we're producing, um, you know, obviously they've got a bigger population so they can produce more of those athletes, but we're producing those athletes as well that, you know, can compete against the top Americans. When you see, look at Liz Cambage, you know, Beck Allen, Sammy Whitcomb, we've just got an array of really wonderful and talented athletes who are really um, – Good role models as well. So there's lots of exciting things within um, basketball and female sport in general. I think. <laughs> Look, I mean, and I'm uh, and I put my hand up and say I'm biased, but I think there's there's a lot of opportunities for for potential sponsors to engage with uh, leagues like the WNBL because it is great game. We've got great athletes. The truth is, I think Australia punches well above its weight in international basketball, there's lots of opportunities there for, for sponsors to, to engage. we just got to get get the sport more out there. And I think this program with the, you know, that you're involved in with Basketball New South Wales may help to do that as well. Yeah, it's a great way. You know, the Her Sport, Her Way um, initiative is a great way, again, to they've invested in, in female leaders and getting out into the community and, and being, um, I guess, a, a visual person within the community so there's somebody that they can see and relate to so yeah yeah you know I think in everything we're trying to take steps in the right direction and um you know if we connect with two people that's great that's two more people whether it's 20 people and you know and then that sort of snowball effect where you know we can all continue to um have an effect on each other as well um might bring more people to the sport and to women's sport and you know I guess that's the beauty of female athletes is when was the last time you read about one in the newspaper for doing something um, inappropriate or illegal or, you know, there's such great, wonderful role <laughs> models out there. So <laughs> then you don't have to worry about, you know, your brand because you know what you're getting um, a, a wonderful people and role models within their community. Very true. Now, I only speak the truth <laughs> as <laughs> I see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Frog, thanks very much for your time. Hopefully we'll be able to catch up again in a few more weeks and we'll be able to dig into free agents will be open and we'll be able to start talking about what's happening with the Flames in a bit more detail. Yeah, that would be pretty exciting actually. So fingers crossed. Um, yeah, fingers crossed we've got some more announcements in the near future. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, nice to have a chat again. Great. Thanks, Katrina. Talk to you soon. <laughs>